Welcome to episode 50 of The Route, presented by Jobs in Sports. The Route is a glorified sports business coffee chat that has a new guest every episode as they share their experiences and route in sports. I'm Christopher Nesmento, and let's get started. Before we get into you know today's episode, uh, I think I, w- I would be remiss if I if I didn't acknowledge you know the the 50 episode mark as you know it's a pretty cool accomplishment considering you know just over a year ago that's when I came up with the podcast idea and I you know I still remember when it came to mind when I was sitting in uh in my car and at the exact parking spot I know where it is in Ottawa and um yeah it's uh it's just crazy to think that you know I've been able to to meet with over 50 plus guests on the podcast as you know there, there's more coming and you know having a, a sponsored podcast as well and uh extremely you know happy grateful for all this to come and excited to see where this goes so i just wanted to acknowledge that before going anywhere else but uh let's get to into the swing of things before we get we get into today's interview first i just want to remind everyone again as i mentioned in last week's episode um the route is officially on tiktok so you can find clips of our episode at the route sports on tiktok and you can also follow us at you know any other social media platform where you can find quote graphics clips as well as you know episode covers um for, for that week's episode and that's also at the route sports so give us a follow there um you know let us know how we're doing and uh, we'll be sure to be in touch additionally um please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and uh rate five stars as it just allows the podcast to grow a little easier and lastly oh yes how could i forget the last thing i'll mention here is um we officially launched a the route um merchandise collection so that's at uh white whale marketing dot shop and then you can go look at our uh our podcast collection so there's hats t-shirts and even a, a poster for the route for for our first 50 episodes so maybe check that out support the podcast support the brand so just to repeat that's white whale as in color animal m k t g dot shop so white whale marketing dot shop check us out support the brand uh check out our collection and uh yeah let's get into it i'd now like to welcome someone who has experience working in a variety of areas within technology and innovation in sports ranging from mlse the cfl tennis canada current vp of innovation and technology at canland ice sports costas clorianos welcome to the route how's it going great how you doing chris yeah, not too bad. And a pretty good morning. So um, the way I usually uh, like to start every podcast is just take us through your route. So where'd you go to school and how you, did you end up in the position you are now? Yeah, sure. So I uh, went to school, uh, York University for uh, computer uh, science um, and then worked as, as well, took a minor in some kinesiology courses. My passion was actually in uh, athletic development and strength and conditioning, but my parents were like, you need a real job because back then it wasn't a real job. That, well, that's what people thought. As you see in the industry is insane now. So, yeah. but, so I went and did uh, computers and I'm like, oh, you know what? I love sports. And yeah, I, you know, I did this computer thing. How can we kind of, kind of, how can I make something out of that? I wasn't really good enough to be a pro athlete. Um, you know, I didn't have the genetics, so I had to kind of read everything about it and understand every angle, but I, I love computers and I worked through it and I had been working at the Air Canada Centre, now the Scotiabank Arena here in Toronto, uh, where the Leafs and Raptors play. I'd work in there, it's just a food server. Um, and I'd asked my boss when I was graduating, I'm, 
my supervisor, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm graduating. If any position comes up in the tech department, let me know. And she was like, well, actually coincidence that you asked me that, uh, something just came up today. Um, it was for a junior tech support person. She's like, here, apply. So I'm like, okay, great. So I applied for that. Two months later, I was in the position, um, working as a junior tech support analyst at MLSE. Um, and really it was a small organization at the time, about 200 people. Um, now it's huge, about a thousand people. It's, it's a big industry, but more, but back then it was kind of like a family. I'd get to, and being in the tech support, I'd work with every department and, you know, I'd hang out there, go, go downstairs and hang out with Vince Carter at the time and, <laughs> and the Leafs and Sundin. And so for a 20 year old kid, just graduated sports fan, it was like the dream job. Um, eventually my boss would always say, I was like, why are you always down in the dressing room with the players? Do some work. Uh, <laughs> jokingly, but you know, we, we had a good time. I learned everything. Like I learned, um, from, from just networking, uh, software development, uh, just kind of got my, got my hand into everything. And, but the most important lesson, my boss at the time, Sasha Purich, he's actually my mentor to this day. Uh, he's like, oh, listen, if you want to make it in this industry, it's important to learn about the technology, of course, but you have to learn about the business and how technology can help the business. And he's like, that's where your value is going to uh, be in because technology is going to be a business driver. Right now, it's just kind of break and fix. This was 20 years ago. Um, he's like, right now, you're just fixing servers, but servers are going to go away. And he's like, he had this amazing vision of where technology was going. And he's like, servers are going to go away. It's all about how can you use technology to make money for the company? And in, in the end, it's how do you generate value for a company? How do you make money? How do you put winning teams on the field um, and, and on the ice? And how can technology help that? So I really took that to heart and learned about every aspect of the business. And I'd sit with the corporate partnerships department, the marketing department, uh, the ticketing department, uh, the high performance area. And I'd be really annoying uh, just trying to learn everything. But, you know, I was a kid, I could get away with it. Uh, so, you know, I really immersed myself in that and understand the sports business and how technology fits into that. So that was super valuable. Um, and I was there for about eight years working my way up into as a PC land specialist, uh, network engineer. So getting my technical chops there and learning the business. But I mean, at the time, it, in me, I still had that fire to do training and, and train athletes. And I'd become um, really good friends with uh, the, the Leaf strength coach at the time. He was one of the first strength coaches in the NHL and really in professional sports. This was before um, they had, you know, sports science uh, people and huge sports science yeah. departments and, and development. Before it was just considered, you know, the, the, the guy who lifts the weights and it, and really, this was Matt Nickel. He was there, and he really transformed that position to such a valuable part of the team. So I'd hang out with him downstairs, and he knew that I was really into the um, into the, the athletic development. I was a, a, a competitive kickboxer at the time, and was training people, and had that little background in school. And you know, I'd help him out after work and do it part time. And then I think eight, eight years in, he's like, "Costa, you want to you know help me as a you want to come down as, and be my assistant." And um, I was kind of getting a little tired of the sports tech at the time. I needed a reset. You know, when you're young, you want to try everything. You, you kind of have that short attention span. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I told my boss and he was super supportive of me. He's like, you know what? This is your dream. Go, go for it. Try it out. Right. He's like, I encourage my people. So I went and uh, worked as Matt's assistant for a couple of years um, with the Leafs. Tr you know, I had to tr got to train McGillney, Lindros, uh, wow. you know, all, all these guys that I kind of grew up watching and they were just kind of at the later part of their career. And, and I mean, my biggest thing was Ed Belfour, 
who as a, as a kid, he was my favorite player. And I wrote to him as a, as a really young kid and, and, and asked for his autograph. And he sent me back a card with his autograph. And now I was sitting in there training him in his last uh, couple of years in the league. I'm like, wow, this is, how did this, this happen? So That's amazing, that was just right? kind of, yes, that was something that I'd done. And then eventually they, they had changed, um, changed management at the Leafs and you know Matt uh, had left uh, to start BioSteel in his own thing and I actually went and started my own gym um, where I trained kind of uh, U- UFC uh, fighters MLB uh, players uh, a bunch of guys from the NHL and, and different sports and Canadian national uh, women's soccer team so a bunch of different sports and I ran that for a few years with my friend um, I ran that part-time I'd gone back into uh um, back into technology and into a couple of different industries like pharmaceutical and stuff, kind of as a day job um, and ran that my own business part-time. Um, so it was, it was kind of, I, I had no sleep for a few years. Um, and then it, I love doing that, but it came to a point where an opportunity presented itself at the Canadian football league to come back into sports technology. You know, I'd, I, I was doing all these stuff at, at pharmaceuticals, still in technology, but sports is just in my blood, as you can tell. So I really wanted to go back to um, sports technology and make a difference there. So I took the opportunity at the CFL um, at their central office and kind of put uh, my uh, the training on, on the back burner. It's something I'll always love. And I always have a few athletes here and there, but I really, this is something I had to put a hundred percent into. So I went back to the CFL and, you know, did some, some great things there with, you know, uh, creating technology around the great cup. Um, you know, the, uh, we, we were the first, uh, we did the first, uh, live streamed game in CFL history where we live streamed the Eastern final and then the gray cup through YouTube. That was pretty accomplished that a hundred year history is the first live stream. It's just, you get to see that technology change. So it was super exciting. We signed some deals with Microsoft to put, uh, tablets uh, on the field with our coaches, uh, just while the NFL was doing it. So um it, it was pretty we did some amazing stuff there at the cfl and then after a few years the uh, tennis canada and the rogers cup came calling and it was an opportunity for me to have a, a couple of stadiums to really take control of uh, in toronto and montreal and really let loose with innovation and technology and it was at a time where tennis canada was absolutely exploding we had um milos and uh genie were, were kind of the top stars at the time when i joined and we had some People in, in some kids in the hopper through our high performance program. Uh, I mean, at the time, it was Dennis uh, Shapovalov and Bianca were, were were kids coming up. They were 14 and 15. This is before they kind of broke out into the world scene. So the future was bright. And uh, Michael Downey, who um, who is the head of Tennis Canada, he was I knew him from my MLSE days and went there and created some amazing events. Um, and then obviously saw the progression of the players. Uh, with through our high performance department, Bianca winning the the uh, U.S. Open was probably the uh, the highlight. There it was incredible. Got to travel around, see Wimbledon, um, and a lot of these events that uh, you know again really cool. And um, through technology, we we upgraded the the Wi-Fi system. We did some incredible fan engagement, a whole lot of cool stuff. And then um, unfortunately, we were on our high. Uh, the yeah. tennis can was on its high. And, like everything, COVID decimated us, just like it has decimated the whole sports and hospitality industry. And the the, the organization had to go through uh, a lot of layoffs um, around March, um, unfortunately, due to the fact that Rogers Cup was canceled. And that's where 
the um, the revenue comes in to kind of support Tennis Canada and its programs throughout the uh, the year. And without that, there was no revenue, so they couldn't keep on um, couldn't keep on staff. So a lot of good people let go, but uh, you know I'm confident that they will. Uh, rebuild and continue to be great. It's a great organization. There's still some great leadership there, and I have a lot of great friends there. But uh, you know, when one door closes, another opens. And I had a and being in technology and sports um, is actually pretty good because it's always it's a very portable kind of skill set. So I could I could go into banking or something else. But again, that's I've done that before, and it's not in my blood. But there's a, always a demand in technology and sports. So I'm really I'm really uh, blessed to be able to do that. So uh, I had a few opportunities, but Canland Ice Sports uh, came to me with this uh, VP of Innovation Technology position a few months ago. And we interviewed, and you know, Joey, uh, our owner, uh, or not, sorry, our, our president, um, is super kind of innovative, and progressive, and has high energy like me. And he's like, "Cost, you know, we want to." We're, we're the best in that kind of facilities and, and the ASHL adult safe hockey league is, is the number one um, adult recreational league in the world with over 75,000 players. Uh, our youth programming's uh, 30,000 uh, uh, players, second to none. We run these uh, 19 ice pads and, and facilities and now we're expanding. He's like, but we need to get to that next level and use technology to really elevate our customer experiences and our league experiences. And uh, we want you to kind of head that. So, um, started that uh, about a couple months ago now and working the strategy and, you know, COVID's kind of wreaking a bit of havoc uh, with the industry right now, but that's, that's temporary. And, you know, Canland's in a really good position uh, still. So, you know, it's right now it's worked the strategy and then when the pandemic's over, uh, so with good news with a vaccine and, you know, all pandemics are temporary, we can rare to go and continue to be leaders in the industry and get to that next level of innovation. So, that's, I know I'm rambling on, but that's kind of my story. It takes a few twists. No, no, that's amazing. Twists and turns because, you know what, I'm, I think that my greatest thing is I don't have an attention span. So I kind of learn about everything <laughs> and experience everything. Um, so, I, you know, I've had the, all these awesome experiences that honestly, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I was, uh, you know, teachers like, you can't pay attention in class. And I didn't like doing homework and, you know, I didn't take things seriously. And I tell my kid to take things seriously and, you know, study. Of course, that's the most <laughs> I think I got lucky. I'm like, I was, I was a screw up and I kind of got it when I was older. I understood it. And now, uh, you know, I'm very lucky to be where I am and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. And I, every day I think I don't deserve this. So I got to keep working harder. Yeah, no, that, that was amazing. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, a lot of times when people come on the podcast, they, you know, they share the route, which was the question and everyone does it so amazingly. And then at the end, everyone seems to, you know, kind of apologize. Hey, sorry, I kind of rambled or sorry, I went, I went into him death, but that, you know, that's what the podcast is all about. And honestly, it makes my job way easier too, because I already got like at least 10 questions I want to ask. And I already know I'm not going to be able to ask them right off the top because we're going to get into a new topic. And then there's going to be even 10 other questions I'm going to want to ask. But the first one that I will ask after that amazing, you know, route and sharing about your experiences is you briefly mentioned at the beginning when you're first starting out, I believe after working at a food service job within the ACC. Funny enough, I did something similar where um, here in Ottawa, <clears throat> sorry, at TD Place, I worked in uh, parking for, I think, three years. Worked the Grey Cup, worked um, the Briar, all these different events, the NHL Winter Classic, all that good stuff. And that was one of my, I loved it. I had an accounting job afterwards, and that's what I wanted to chase, where I knew what working in sports was like, just because I saw that environment for three years, and I saw how happy the full-time 
um, staff looked. So that's what kind of made me switch out of accounting and into, you know, back into sports where I realized, you know, if you're going to die one day, might as well die happy. But yeah. going back to where you're saying about your time in MLSE, you said there's advice that your, your mentor gave you and said, you know, learning how technology could help the business. And that's, it's going to be a broad question, but I was wondering how could you answer that maybe briefly or even vaguely, how could technology help a business right off the bat with, for instance, sports? Yeah. So it's always look at, I mean, the end goal of any business is to make money and generate revenue. Um, when you're looking at even sports teams, they, they say that the, the goal is to win championships. Absolutely it is because winning championships mm-hmm. makes money um, and everybody gets happy. The city gets happy, the team. So, so I mean, it, it's, it's all a good result. Um, and the way you look at technology, it's okay. How are we going to make money with technology? Because usually it's always been looked at as a cost center. You know, servers cost money, you know, connectivity costs money, computers cost money, stop draining money. So when you look at, how are we going to generate value? It's like, okay, so um, one of the things that you can do is look at Wi-Fi. Okay, everybody wants to put a Wi-Fi system. 5G is uh, the cell system. Wi-Fi 6 is the big things now. That costs a lot of money. Um, so if you're looking at it on the surface, yeah, okay, this is a cost center. But if you go deeper into it, say, okay, now um, I'm, going, I'm going to put in this Wi-Fi system. Oh, this would be great uh, for... Let's say I'm going to just going to use random examples uh, that I'm thinking off the top of my head. Cisco, who's going to provide us with this Wi-Fi, they now have access to the millions of people that come in the arena and potential customers. And these are business customers a lot of time because tickets are not cheap. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a lot of businesses come and entertain their clients, especially in, in suites. And they want to see this amazing Wi-Fi system that Cisco has provided and then go back and say to their companies and say, yeah, Cisco is at the, at the Air Canada Centre or whoever, and they have this experience um, there, we got to bring it in for us. So that's that's advertising. So then you would go and say, listen, we'll put this in. Um, you know, this is a valuable corporate partnership activation for you. Let's let's create a, a corporate partnership um, with it. Great. Um, that's Now you're generating corporate partners' dollars. Uh, are we looking at, for example, the CFL with Microsoft? We're going to showcase your Surface tablets, People are going to see them. Oh, what a cool technology. Look what they can do. We'll talk about them during breaks. We now have another corporate partner. Um, and then when you're looking, so that's in the, just in the corporate partnership system. Another another big, another big example you can use is in, in ticketing. I mean, uh, without fans, I mean, right now there's no fans, but the fans are coming back uh, because there's no sport without fans. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at how can we use technology to sell more tickets? Well, Mobile ticketing is a, is a big thing. So in the past, you'd have your ticket, they'd come, they'd rip it, and they'd put it in, you go to your seat. But with everyone with smartphones, um, let's your ticket is on your phone, so you come in and scan it. Well, now when I know if you have the ticket, if you forward it to someone else on your phone, we know who that's going to, so we know who's coming to our seats. Um, if, if you agree to share your social information, we get some demographic info out of you, so we can... Uh, tailor um, ticket offers on your birthday. We can we, we know what you like and we can tailor ticket offers to you. If you didn't buy the ticket and it was sent to you, we can send you we can send you an offer to become a paid uh, ticket uh, buyer of our uh, organization. If you come when you come in and you scan your ticket, we know where you are, so we can ping you using sensors and say, "Yo, here's twenty percent off at the store." We know your favorite player is, you know, Austin Matthews. Come in and uh, here's 20% off an Austin Matthews jersey. We've made money there. 
um, oh, you're sitting up in the uh, uh, up in the nosebleeds. Well, we have a few tickets available that weren't purchased or the person hasn't showed up uh, downstairs at our premium seat. You can upgrade for an extra 50 bucks. And when you're there, oh, okay, let's let's do that while you're there. So you're generating value, you're generating money for the organization. This is all through technology and, and data. Yeah, no, that's an amazing answer. And I think one of the important things as well where the initial advice that you got back in the day at the MLSE is um, oftentimes I think in sports, people also get, you know, so starstruck by the fandom of working for a large team like the Leafs, the Raptors, et cetera. But then what is so important in the latter half of that um, advice that your mentor gave you was you have to understand the business, right? And that's kind of the thing that you just explained where by understanding how the technology could help, understanding how, you know, the Leafs run, how the Raptors run, how do they make money? That's how you kind of provide your value and, you know, stay and have a successful career within sports like yourself. And kind and of going to, on. To love the, sorry, you have to no, love the business. If you don't love it, yeah, if you don't love it, you're not going to do well in it. Like when I went into pharmaceuticals, honestly, I, the money was fantastic because it's, it's mm-hmm. pharma. But yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, you're getting all this cash. I'm going to love it. I'm going to be the money will make me love it. No, you don't. I just found it so boring, so much red tape. And, you know, for some people, they may love it and that's their thing. And, and that's, that's the one that's going to succeed. I was doing the minimum possible there just to get by. Like I was, I was lucky that I knew my technology, but in sports, I can excel because I just love the business. It's in my blood. So I, I mean, the money, I, I would do it for free. Don't tell my boss of that. But, uh, you know, I, I, get in there and I, I want to sit with people. I want to learn how the, how the different uh, areas of the business are working. Cause it's fascinating to me. So it, it's something that I'll do in my spare time. And it, it's something I'm drawn to. And, and that's what, uh, that's the only way you're going to succeed in it. You have to, you have to love the love the business and understand because that's the only way to succeed. If if it's something you're not interested in, you're going to do the minimum possible. You know what? That may be for some people, but if you really want to get to the next level, you have to love the business and you have to love doing what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many things that you said there that I completely agree with. First off, you know, I kind of touched on previously where I worked part time at uh, at the t- at TD place when I was in university, and you know, finally I was like, oh, you know what? I need a more professional job. I need to you know get that professional experience as a business student. So I went in accounting, you know, money was better than working part-time at a stadium, got a job offer afterwards, but I absolutely hated it. So I would do my thought process after that. I'm like, I don't care what, and actually I ended up working in free in sports, just trying to, you know, get my marquee and get that professional experience and kind of make up that time. So I completely get that. And then in terms of enjoying the process, I've been, there's a book I was reading recently and they're saying the whole key to life is enjoying the struggle because life isn't easy. So you can't go chase happiness. So whether it's work, you have to enjoy, you know, the process, the struggle of that job. Cause if you don't, you know, you're just gonna be miserable, whether it's in pharmaceuticals or anything else. So completely believe in that. And then going forward and kind of building off what you're saying here, where do you see technology going in sports in the future? Do you see maybe, um, you know, all the tickets are gonna be on phones now, obviously, but do you see maybe having, um, I don't know, let's say it's like Google Maps where you can kind of get directed to, hey, the closest bathroom line with the shortest wait is five minutes and it kind of shows you GPS or, hey, there's a special on pizza, you know, a Red Blacks pizza down to the right, anything like that where it's almost VR-like? Yeah, so it's kind of funny you just mentioned wait times. It's a company that uh, I work with and we used it Tennis Canada called Wait Time. Uh, my friend Zach uh, owns it where it does show you, you know, where the shortest line is. Uh, to the bathroom or or a concession stand um, to to really optimize the flows around an arena and you know keep you out of your seat and and keep your and, and keep the line short because that's you know the shorter the lines are 
the more money people are going to spend, the faster the transactions are and the faster they can get back to the seat and enjoy the experience. You know, all that stuff is here now. Um, mm-hmm. And the VR experiences are huge. Um, you know, second screen experiences on your phone. It's all about engaging people through their phones because you know what? I mean, Mark Cuban didn't didn't want a Wi-Fi system because he didn't want people in their phones, but and but he had to go back because it's a losing battle. You're not taking people off their phones. So it's, you know what? How do we engage people on their phones and create that second screen experience while they're in, while they're enjoying uh, the game and while they're socializing with their friends? Because going to an event is not about, is no longer about just watching the match. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's fun and that's great. It's part of the experience, but it, it's about having an experience with your friends. It's about socializing uh, with your friends, your clients. It's about, you know, making people jealous at home that you're at the game on, on uh, you know, Instagram and, and whatever social channels there is. So however you can help that experience um, will encourage people to come to the games because you know what? It's 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 getting very easy to stay at home and you know with your home theaters and you're comfortable do whatever you want and, and sit there. So it's how do you get them out to the event? And I think in, if you look into the future, if I had my crystal ball, which could be all wrong because I thought I, th- I thought the iPhone was gonna lose was gonna lose to BlackBerry. So what do I know? Um, but it, if you if you look at it, it's I think they're gonna start taking seats out and build smaller stadiums, smaller arenas. Um, in terms of seating capacity, but mm-hmm. create more activations, more social spaces where people um, can engage, where people can do VR, where people you know can watch the games and socialize, and really make that social experience um, the next level through uh, technology. Um, and then, kind of the 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 match is just the platform; it's just a media platform. It's it's not the centerpiece. It is a centerpiece, but it's it, it creates that. It helps to create that whole vibe where you can go around your friends and like i said it's it's been put on pause for the last year and it's going to be a few more months yet but people are going to want to come back and socialize because there's all that pent-up demand right now and people are a little bit timid to uh, come back after covid but you know what humans are social creatures and they want to get out they want to talk to each other they want to have a good time with each other and they haven't had that chance for for a year now um so there it's going to come roaring back and people are going to come back having a good time and and the and the uh, the arenas are going to start getting ready for it. And they're going to start adjusting for it and moving people from sitting in your seat watching to moving around and having that social experience and enjoying uh, the game. Yeah, no, that's actually very interesting that you say that because you know being from Ottawa and you know being a big fan of the Senators growing up, um, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of people know that attendance has been great for the Senators. So one of the things they kind of been doing is um, removing seating and putting these different social areas almost to kind of minimize the you know, the poor look it may have, but now that you're saying it, it does make a lot of sense. Cause now when I go to games with friends, we often spend a whole period, you know, just in the, you know, the Molson lounge or whatever. And we're playing, um, I don't know what's it called. Foosball. Yeah. Foosball, foosball, you know, having some drinks while you're still watching the game. And then now that it's there and you realize, Hey, you know what, this is kind of cool idea. So now I think they're expanding it in different sections. So it's interesting that, you know, almost the poor attendance helps them get a, get ahead. So it's very interesting. And, you yeah, touched well, on this earlier. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but you, you bring oh. up a good point with Ottawa. And with the CFL, one of the, the teams that I think does this, not only the best in the CFL, but the best of any team in any sport is the, the Red Blacks. Um, they took uh, an, an organization, they took football in Ottawa, which had failed a few times before, and there really wasn't that interesting. And it was actually a laughing stock of the league uh, before. And people were like, nah, this isn't going to work. Ottawa again, are you kidding me? And they created yeah. an experience 
where the, the, they, they hit the young demographic, they hit the 18 to 24 year olds, which everybody wants, and they hit the kids with their families. Um, and the, the round, the, they built up that Lansdowne area to such an incredible experience uh, for people to come out at night and, and have fun. And I went out to a few of those games and I'm like, this is an unbelievable experience. And people come out on after the field, after the game. And, and that's why they kind of led the, they're, they're, they're so successful in their, their go around now. And it's such an amazing t- experience and other people, other teams and organizations look at them as a model. So they took something that they thought was a failure and created that social experience and really were super successful with it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Cause you know, in auto, we also have this, um, this bowl game for the two universities where it's called the Panda Bowl. And you know, it is all those 18, 24 year olds and it's crazy event sold out. And oftentimes if you go to a Red Blacks game, it's pretty similar to that where, you know, everyone in the crowd's having a good time, you know, drinking uh, boot beers and all that. And then the technology, even I remember when, you know, the Red Blacks were introduced, there was always, you know, the TELUS Wi-Fi and all that good stuff. But then I also went to a, a 67s game, I think maybe two, one or two years ago. And obviously it's a younger demographic with, you know, the fans and all that. But during intermissions, I think they had this app called Kukazoo, something like that where, you know, the kids were able to play on their mobile phones and do these quizzes, whether, hey, like, what animal has black and white stripes, just kind of keep the kids entertained while, you know, the parents maybe go get a beer or something. So I thought that was very interesting and a way to kind of keep everyone engaged and on their phone and maybe even picking up some some more data as well. But kind of moving on as well throughout your career, you're saying how, you know, you're able to maybe network with, you know, the Leafs or the Raptors, understand their business a bit more. And then, you know, you got involved with Matt Nickel as well. You might maybe sharing your your, I don't know, your keys to networking and how you're able to, you know, connect with so many people. Yeah, it's, I think it's authenticity. So many people mm-hmm. um, just network for the sake of networking. They'll go to a networking event. Hi, here's my business card. Go away. I, you know, I don't, I'm a people person. I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't, if someone's coming up to me because they just need something, it's like, whatever. Um, to me, it's just, I like to talk to good people and I'm fascinated. I'd love to learn, like, Matt Nickel to me is just like such a guru in in the sports industry, in the sports uh, science industry, and I mean it's just I just wanted to learn, and I just hang out with him, and I just ask questions, and and you know just learn about his story, and and help him out whenever I I, I can, and um and it's just that's how I connect. I'm a people person. I love talking to people. I love finding their stories, and I love learning from them. Um, I'm always out there asking questions. Um, and just seeing what I can pick up because everyone has their own experience and you can always learn from some people. And, that, and then you create a relationship out of that because you find a lot of things in common and you create friendships. I, and I mean, I, I don't network for the sake of networking. I don't care what someone can do for me. I, just, I care what I can learn from them. And I care what kind of people they are and if they're authentic and they're good people. I love to be around good people. I love to be around positive people because, you know, I feed off that energy and um, you know, if you're around negative people, you, you get that negative energy. If you're around positive people, you get around that positive energy. And that's, you are who you hang around with. So um, I just, you know, tend to gravitate to positive people doing great things and just learn from them and talk to them, you know, ha- have some fun and, and always try and, you know, offer um, things to people, especially in the sports industry. People always hit you up. Can you get me tickets? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I never go up and ask something. I always try and offer something um, to someone. Like if I get, you know, at uh, Rogers Cup, I get some tickets for the Rogers Cup. I I just reach out before people even ask me to people that I like who are new tennis. I'm like, hey, you want to come out? You know, we'll have a, we'll have a fun day. You know, we'll come hang out. And you know, I and I remember the people that helped me, and I'll always reach out to them and and keep in touch. Hey, how's it going? You know, not just when I need something. It's uh, I'll, I'll 
and I'll reach out, hey, how you doing? Let's catch up over, you know, a drink or a, you know, Zoom call now uh, or, you know, a beer and, you know, just how you doing? And, and I found that really helpful um, when I was uh, laid off at uh, Tennis Canada. Uh, people just, you know, reached out and said, hey, Coast, you know, this here's this opportunity, here's this opportunity to you. And these were people already in my network and they're people I consider friends. And it wasn't like I was going out there and saying, hey, any jobs out, any jobs? No, it, it kind of came to me and it was, is you know that law of attraction type of thing and I, and I was lucky enough to smoothly uh, transition from one thing to another so it's you know hanging around good people really uh, understanding their stories offering things of value but also you know learning and making it authentic yeah you know, networking for the sake of networking to get something will will never work that's such surface level stuff and uh uh you know that that, that doesn't work for me yeah no I, I completely agree with you and that's kind of the whole purpose of the podcast right where I remember, well, you know what, it's probably almost just over a year ago now that when I first kind of had the idea, I was just going for coffee chats in Ottawa, just trying to learn from, you know, sports professionals and see, you know, the different nuggets and advice I could maybe apply to my own career. And when I finally came up with the idea to, you know, have a podcast and take these coffee chats to the next level, everyone's first question was like, hey, why are you trying to be the next Joe Rogan? Had no interest in being Joe Rogan. I was just trying to provide value to whoever I'm speaking to so then I can connect someone like yourself in Toronto Rather than saying, hey, I'm going to be in Toronto in six months. Do you want to go for a coffee then? Then you're going to forget about me. We're not going to be able to have this discussion. But by having you just you know, come on the podcast and share your, your career out, I find it's a great way to get to know people. And I find after everyone shares their amazing experiences and stories, they feel almost a little more connected to me because uh, you know, we took the time to, to get to know each other a bit more. But I, I yeah, truly sure. think that's amazing. And one thing I wanted to make a note of, it's kind of off topic, but Earlier, when you're talking about, uh, oh, I was going to go work with uh, the strength conditioning coach for for the Leafs, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's Matt Nickel. Because I remember even when I was younger, I used to, you know, watch all these different hockey videos, you know, Paul Bizanet going training and all that good stuff. And I still remember the first time I saw the BioSteel logo. And it's something I, I was mentioning to someone the other day for how I want to brand my business, for instance, where I saw Mike Camilleri wearing a hat in an interview way back when, when he was with the Habs. And I saw this interesting logo on the hat and I was like, Oh, I wonder what that is. And I remember from that then on, I went to go do all this research, trying to figure out what the hat is. And then I realized it was BioSteel. And then in my head was like, if I ever start a business, I need a logo that kind of stands out. If it's on TV that I need to kind of dive in, ask, Hey, like, what's that business? So I always thought that was interesting and kind of diving more into, um, you know, maybe more of the present and kind of starting to wrap up the interview as well. What kind of things are you doing at the Canland Ice Sports? I know you just began, but what kind of things are you hoping to, you know, take to the next level at, in your new position? Yeah, for sure. And uh, before I get into that, I just want to give you my little BioSteel sports story with Matt. I take full That's credit right. for his company. Uh, no, just, uh, <laughs> That's but, a good. Yeah. You <laughs> always give this, uh, you know, this powder to the guys, that, and I'm like, Matt, what is this stuff? Like, yeah. you know, protein powder, whatever. Like, no, no, I don't, I don't deal with that stuff. Like, this is. You know, I put that and he was telling me the ingredients. I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. They're all, they're all like, and I'm like, oh, okay, you, you get it. He's like, no, you know, I go get premium stuff. You know, it costs a lot. I'm like, okay. I'm like, why aren't you selling this? You know, this is be amazing. He's like, ah, you know, eh, that could be an idea. Um, and then uh, a couple of years later, it's like, yeah, I'm selling it now. So BioSteel. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the, uh, it's, it's, it's been sold now. So I don't know how the quality is now, but I know when Matt was on it, like, it's just, it was so successful because it was super expensive, but I mean, he, like he, he never cut corners, right? And it was super high quality stuff that he put in there. And 
you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. He has some some great athletes. So that's 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 the reason why I'm still waiting for my royalties from BioSteel. They told me to sell it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, Matt. I know it's all your idea. Don't worry. Um, but so at Canland, um, we uh, it's it's taking the the level of um, players. Like we have the again, I mentioned at the top, we have the largest uh, adult recreational league in the world, and it's how do we provide extra value to those players that. Um, so why would they come to us versus just getting a team and going to the local uh, municipal rink? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, well, how can we get that extra experience? How can we get them to feel like they're in the NHL? Because for a lot of the players, this is the, their NHL. Like we have a lot of ex-pros playing, but uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of um, women who this is, you know, this is, this is the top one. This is, this is that time. This is the hour of the night where they don't have to worry about work. They don't have to worry about family life they don't have to worry about money problems and go out there and play and have a great time so let's elevate that experience so whether it's um giving them an app where you know we can customize their highlights from the game you know stream the game and create some highlights for them or create a game report automatically using artificial intelligence create next level stats um for for how they did their ice time and and you know shots on goal and what they didn't put that together in a profile for them um it's how do we you know give them that NHL um, experience and really make it worth their while for that time that they're with us because, you know, we pride ourselves on creating unparalleled experiences. So using technology to do that, how do we create inner facilities? How do we do things um, like, you know, esports or VR? We have all these amazing big facilities. How do we do more than just kind of hockey and, uh, and restaurant and, uh, and, you know, and a pro shop? How do we use that space to just, again, create that experience? We look at you know, we say that our um, competition is somebody like a, a municipal rink. Well, yeah, but our competition is also uh, companies like Top Golf. Our competition is um, also, you know, sitting at home and you could play video games. You know, that's that's our competition. Mm-hmm. It, it's fighting an entertainment dollar, and we want people to come out and you know get that get that um, workout in, and you know play play a sport, and you know do something good for their mind and body, and just give them that extra level of experience which is you know great for us as a company yeah absolutely and that makes a lot of sense where um i I know myself here in ottawa i was playing in a uh what was it a ball hockey league and there was a full-blown website stats standings and they would even put out articles i remember as soon as the article came out you know my team would share it in the group chat everyone's laughing at the you know hey this guy didn't play too good this guy played great another guy was you know going a little too hard in the corners and that was something that always intrigue people and want to, you know, pick this league over another one because it was much more interactive and something you can also share as well. So definitely understand that. I think that's some amazing things. I wish I was in Toronto right now to maybe be a part of that league a bit more. But um, kind of to wrap things up. Sorry, go ahead. I said, just come on by, come play. They're only a couple hours away. Yeah, just a few five-hour drive every day. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the way I like to end the episode is always asking um, people, one, story and then secondly um advice that they may have but first off i know you have amazing story so we kind of touched on this briefly before we started recording you said you're on the joe rogan podcast so i'd like to know that full story for our listeners and then second um do you mind maybe providing also another amazing story that you have throughout your career sure i got uh, good my wife's sick of listening to my story so it's glad to tell me <laughs> yeah uh, so I, yeah we were a few years ago um i trained uh, one of my best friends uh, since we were little kids, and the reason why I got into kickboxing, Joseph uh, 
Valtellini, Bazooka Joe is a world champion uh, kickboxer for Glory Kickboxing. They're the UFC of kickboxing. They're huge over in Europe and uh, Japan and, and China. Um, they're gaining traction in, in the States and, and they, uh, they hold a, they held a series of big events and uh, he was fighting and I was cornering him on uh, an event at the, uh, uh, the, the, the forum in Los Angeles and Joe Rogan, who's a big fan of uh, glory. He'd followed Joe on uh, bazooka Joe on Twitter and they, you know, they, and Instagram and they, they talk back and forth and Joe was like, Hey, why don't you guys come down to uh, the podcast while you're here? I'm like, okay, let's go. They're like, this, this, this is amazing. Cause we listen to the Joe Rogan podcast all the time. I know people have different ideas, but I, I like it. I think, it's fascinating because he doesn't judge his guests. He just comes in there and he listens. And, you know, people can make their own opinion on what they have to say. And, you know, it's not one side, it's the other. It's, you know, just listen and, you know, make up your own opinion, which, you know, people can think for themselves. So we, we and he's, Joe is obviously a huge fight fan uh, with the UFC and he's a smart guy. He's trained for himself. So we were there. Um, we went and we rolled up at this random strip mall, blacked out windows. We thought we'd come into this huge building, but no, it's just like a, a strip mall we go in there and he had like a, a pool table set up and some tvs in the small like he's like all right this is the palace um let's uh you know let's see you guys want to drink whatever we're like ah, okay so we went into his recording studio and you know i was sitting there but it was mainly you, you want to talk about to, to to joe obviously he's the champ so we sat in there we had a conversation it's episode 900 if you guys uh can find it and he was talking about you know joe's life and his strength and conditioning and his fighting and things like that um and his life and it was four hour uh podcast we couldn't <laughs> leave and i really had to go to the bathroom i was looking around like a glass or something but you know <laughs> was holding it we, i made it through and um and then afterwards uh joe took us uh to um a cold uh one of those cold therapy places that down the street oh, yeah. yeah we went out uh for a drink after so that and then he came to the fight so it was uh it was super cool he came out with russell peters uh was with us uh, as well they were they were friends so and Russell Peters, a guy that, you know, I is one of my favorite comedians. So yeah. that was a really, uh, that was a, a really cool uh, experiences. One of the really cool experiences we've done. And, you know, again, getting out of the comfort zone and doing these things. And this is something I never would have thought that I would have experienced in my life, but it's just like, you know, get out of your comfort zone and try it. Right. So that, that was a, that was a pretty cool um, experience. Uh, another one might've been, uh, I think it was, I, I wrote a little story my LinkedIn the other day about Pat Quinn, uh, coach Pat of the, of the Leafs. Uh, I was one of, again, another one of my mentors, I had a lot of mentors growing up and I was lucky to have people who would take me under their wing. Um, and you know, would help me out even though it's probably super annoying, but so I appreciate that. <laughs> Pat was one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I told a little story about how we first, uh, met and he told me to get his hands off, uh, his bagel and then started laughing once I, uh, you know, crapped my pants because I was a little kid. And then from then on, we struck a, fast friendship and he would always you know talk to me and give me advice and i remember and this is um one great story the media always it's always funny how things get misconstrued in the media and they would always say him and ken dryden hated each other you know they, they didn't talk and they didn't do this they didn't do that and ken dryden one of the most brilliant men i ever met and it's one of the greatest goalies of all time but just super smart guy that we would always talk and um we were at a, a leafs um fundraiser um, one night a gala um, and it was super cool because it was it was about like 50 people 50 of our high um, you know donors um, it was for a, a, the Leaf Foundation great cause and we were in um, we were at the the, uh, the hall there and we had a private concert by uh, Gord Downey at the time one of my oh, favorites wow. and it was just like he was sitting there singing 
Bob Cajun for us and all these uh, songs. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Another one of those pinch me moments. And then, uh, so that was, especially, you know, um, with, uh, you know, he's passed on now, but he's a legend. Um, so that was cool. And then, but the, at the end of the night, you know, it was an open bar after, after a few drinks, um, we getting <laughs> yeah. down the night, there was only a few of us left, a few of the team, a few of the team. I, I was there. I was lucky enough to get an invite. I shouldn't even really been there, but Pat's like, yeah, come over and you don't say no to Pat. Well, um, we, we went there and Pat and Ken Dryden got up on stage and we're duetting and I still have the picture, Danny boy. So here's like the greatest, one of the greatest goalies of all time. One of the greatest coaches of all time, this big bear, Pat Quinn. Um, and they're, you know, after a few, the, the press was like, oh, these guys hate each other and talk to each other. They were doing a duet on the stage. For, <laughs> yeah. for, it was just a super amazing time. And it's like, this is what it's all about. And, you know, it was, and to this day, I still have a picture of them singing. And it was, it was just such fantastic. And I have thousands of these other stories. And, you know, social media wasn't around at the time. This was, this was, I guess this was like 2002 or something like that. So there, there was no social media. So it was just like this experience that stayed there. It wasn't shared amongst viral amongst a million people. It was this experience you saw with your eyes and, and you saw and like, this is, you know, this is special. I'm going to, I'm super lucky. Yeah, no, those, both those stories are amazing. And I completely understand, you know, I almost wish I, I try at least myself to, you know, get off Instagram a bit and kind of just visualize a bit more rather than you know looking around with my phone so i completely understand that and uh yeah those stories are just amazing and maybe i might have to have you on a second time just to hear you know a few more of these other stories that you say you have but uh yeah you know that's kind of wrapping up the podcast sorry about that just hit the mic but yeah that's kind of wrapping up the podcast try not to go four hours like joe rogan because i know you may need to go to the bathroom but uh yeah the last thing i have to ask is if you could you know maybe give a young coast advice or even myself or someone listening what advice would you give yeah. And it, you know what? It's cheesy. It's cliche, but it works. Just, you know what? Follow your passion. Who cares? Do what you want. Um, don't follow what people tell you. Don't follow what you think you should be doing. Follow what's in your blood and what you want to do. If you fail, okay. You may, you may, you may fail, but you know what? You did what you want. And you're, if you fail, you will never have a regret because you know, you went after it. You could always do something later on, but you can't go, you can't kind of go back to your passion. So follow your passion when you're young and just, you know, don't listen to anybody and do what you can. And you never know where it may lead you. But but because you're following your passion, you're going to be successful, whether it's in that field um, or use those skills somewhere else or learn something in your life. Just do what you want and have and then you'll have no regrets. I absolutely love that. You know, coming from a, an immigrant family, Portuguese background, uh, I think I'm going to translate that and share that with everyone at Christmas because uh, definitely hear a bit about that switching out of accounting. So I think that's absolutely amazing. I think everyone's going to take home a lot of amazing insights from this episode. I really appreciate you coming on. And unless there's anything else you'd like to share, thank you so much. Yeah, no, this was fun. I appreciate coming on and getting to tell some of the stories. That concludes our uh, interview with Costa. Just want to thank him again for, you know, coming on the podcast, taking time and, you know, sharing some amazing stories as well. And, you know, the last few things I'll say before we conclude the episode is um, don't forget to check out our collection at whitewhalemarketing.shop. Um, the link will be in the description of the episode. Additionally, um, if you check out our social media pages at The Route Sports, we're going to be having more and more graphics becoming available, whether it's clips or you know, even just quotes. But one of the things I think we'll be introducing after today's episode is a, a route graphic for each, um, each and every guest. That way you can visually see um, you know, the different intricacies of the route and you know, 
showing that not everyone necessarily just goes top to the bottom, right? Maybe some go into the tech, maybe some come back to marketing and others go into to different industries as a whole. But uh, we'll get into that. And uh, thank you again for listening. And here's to uh, another 50 episodes. All the best and uh, hope you enjoy. Thank you.